0: Misread is a book podcast where we review books, discuss topics, and provide social commentary on what's happening today.
1: Hey, hey. <laughs> so welcome back, welcome back. This is episode three of Misread. Yep,
0: and we are diving in today with some pretty heavy material,
1: mm-hmm. necessary but heavy. Necessary conversation. <laughs> a book that almost didn't make it. But we thank almost God didn't it's get. To, yes, thank God it's here. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about Barracoon by Zora Neale Hurston today. Um, but just before we dive into it, me and Julian read an article about tribes. And I thought it was fitting um, for this topic because Barracoon um, tells the life of a man who lived in Africa. Um, it tells a little bit about where he's from, the yep. nation that he's a part of, and how he, he came to become a slave in America. Yeah. But it touched about, what I liked about the article is the concept of tribe yeah, um, and how we
0: use it in Western culture mm-hmm. and how it's even adopted itself in
1: African cultures mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and what it means. Yeah. So the author of the, do you have the title? Yeah. In here. Yeah, so it's called uh, using tribe and tribalism to misunderstand African society, societies, and David Wiley wrote it for the University of Michigan, and um, he goes on to talk about what tribes, tw- what the word tribe means, the definition, and our perception of that word, and um, what I found interesting is that he's saying that we're doing a disservice to the nations of people who we describe only as a tribe because when you when we talk about tribe we often talk about a small group of people and we understand that they have their own thing they have their own culture and things like that but it's like small scale and Word because that. it's not up to our westernite standards we're like yeah well it's a tribe but we're doing a disservice to them because we're minimalizing the complexities of that society. Because yeah. it's still a full fledged society. They they have their political system, they have their justice system, they have their own language, their 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 values, their traditions and all and all these things that makes a society. Yeah. Um and that we downplay that when we just say, Well, it's it's a tribe down there in, in this yeah. African country over there. And
0: it has a it, tribe does have
1: negative connotations
0: to it as well. Mm-hmm. Like, you know when we think about other cultures and other countries yeah. that do have smaller communities within them we, we don't call those tribes somehow. Like, mm-hmm. if we're dealing with I know the article touches on, like, Irish-Americans, for instance. Yeah. When we're dealing with European cultures and within their countries, you know, you have smaller communities. We, we never call those tribes. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. when we're talking about African communities,
1: we Latin tend to— Latin communities as
0: well. Yep. Mm-hmm. We tend to call those, those tribes a lot. And it comes with, I think, this idea of savagery.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: you know, it's a little bit barbaric. Yeah. It's just the other— that term, the other that you know we see so very often, mm-hmm. um, I think that's a big problem with how we see tribes and kind of just downplaying, like you said, yeah, really the the bigger part of the fact that well, it's a full fledged society that mm-hmm. has its own, you know what I mean, like yeah. rules and yeah. and justice systems
1: and it's 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 an authentic society, mm-hmm. but we tend to just be like okay, we downplay it. That's a tribe. and it's funny because. Even though a lot of, um, throughout the years, it's been downplayed, we actually take a lot of their culture Yeah, and we, some people will embody them and turn it into their own thing. And uh, when I think of, it, the first thing that comes to mind is, you know what, how people pierce their ears yeah, to with enlarge the gauges. It. Yeah, yeah. The, exactly, yeah. the gauges. That comes from yeah. what somebody would call a tribe um, in Africa and so on and so forth, but I also like this article because it made me think about the movie Black Panther. Okay. So we all heard about Black Panther, the movie, this amazing nation from Wakanda. And everybody (laughs) was like, Wakanda forever. Forever. (laughs) (laughs) And um, one of the highlights in the movie is definitely the women, the warriors. Yes. um, Who act as uh, the bodyguards of the king, T'Challa. And uh, Lubita Nyong'o plays one of them, and everybody's in awe. Like they're so strong, they're so fierce, they're so beautiful. And it made a, people talked about it a lot. And I really appreciated that about the movie. And although the movie is fictional, yeah, the nation of Wakanda real, is yeah. not a real place. Those ladies, those female warriors, actually existed. Yeah. Originally, they're called. We call them today. We call them the Dahomey Amazons. Um, oh, I see where you're going with yes. this. <laughs> <laughs> so they're originally, today we call them the Dalmi Amazons, but their their real name, their real names are Ahosi, and I'm sorry if I'm not pronouncing this correctly, Ahosi or Mino. And they live from the 17th century all the way to mid-19th century. Okay. And they, they, their, their roles were quite similar to what we see in the movie. So they were the personal bodyguards of the king, wow. the king of Dahomey. And they were... And I, I also bring it up because in the book Baruch yes, them he talks about them. They were as strong as the male. They went through like vigorous training and they were known to decapitate their victims so they were quite uh, they were strong right they were strong they were fierce and all that stuff and what we don't know is that they actually play a hand into how yeah. the transatlantic slave trade yep. came about yep, so which brings us yep. to our subject today which is Barakun and um, i we read it in the book like in the first pages that you read about it talks about them and I just thought it was very, very interesting how, how how all this came to play. What did you think about that? Well, so I didn't,
0: I didn't, I knew that Black Panther was kind of um, the construct of like taking different ideologies and, you know, from different parts of Africa. Yeah. So hence why it can be fiction, because it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that, mm-hmm. which to me, I thought was beautiful. Um... I didn't, however, make the connection with, or I'll just say I didn't do the research in knowing that the female warriors actually historically come from the nation of Dahomey. Mm -hmm. So now that you're saying this to me, I see 100% the connection Mm -hmm. because uh, Kizula, which is the the, um, African... Slave that you know the story is told about that Nora Nora interviews mm-hmm. and is told about he talks about you know them actually being captured by the Dahomey warriors and then being sold into slavery. Mm-hmm. So, wow, I didn't I didn't know that, and now that I'm making the connection, I'm just like. Whoa!
1: <laughs> and for me, when I when I read that part in the book again, it's not a spoiler. It's it's really no. the beginning of the book. I was I had heard of the the theory that well. The slaves just—the Americans just didn't go to Africa and pick slaves. They were given by Africans, right? I always heard that theory, and but I never read anything like factual about that. Um, And in the book, what's really good about the book is that in the back, at the end, she gives a lot of notes with all the credits as to where she she got her resources, her sources from. And so I was talking to a friend about it briefly, and. The point that I raised was: it's interesting how, ooh, let's say, in terms of America. So let's talk about, like, in terms of Black Americans. Yeah. So they've talked about reparations a lot, or, or even simply for the government to apologize about the acts, the cruelty that was done to, um, to the slaves throughout the year, the years. And um, I, the question I raised was: we put all the responsibility on. those, those countries like the USA, the English, the France, like all the colonizers, the colonizers. So we put a lot of blames on them, but shouldn't the African nations who gave those slaves away also be held responsible? No. You don't think so? No. Why? So I guess for me,
0: so interestingly enough, that concept, Zora Neal, herself in some of her excerpts she talks about how that was a realization for her as well you know this idea that okay you know Europeans came over and that's kind of the narrative that you're kind of told but really that's not exactly how it happened Mm -hmm. for me the reason why I don't see it that way is because when people think about slavery or they think about the slave trade They have this idea of African cultures being very tribal Mm -hmm. and, you know, just a whole bunch of, you know, savagery and people in the woods and like these wild, you know, connotations with them. So when, you know, Europeans came over, they kind of took them, civilized them, etc. No, Africa itself, African countries itself, themselves have, like we spoke about, literally have rulers and kingdoms and... There's a hierarchy like in every other society. So to say that African nations should be exempt from having slaves themselves, like, I, I just don't understand that. Because when you look at literally every single nation mm-hmm. from, you know, even like, you know, if we can talk about the Bible and when yeah. Jews were enslaved, like... Every culture has a history of enslaving people that are less than and it has more to do with class than yeah. it has to do
1: with race. Yeah. So I I'm, I really appreciate you bringing up that point because in the book, you really understand that slavery has always existed, like you 100%. said, from the Bible all the way to now. Slavery still is yes, occurring yes. right now. And in the setting of this book, it goes on to say that the King of Delomey picks up a fight with the leader of his nation. And basically they take over. It's a war and wars have casualties. And in this, in this instance, the casualties are the women and the men who were captured to become slaves. Right. So in that sense, I like what you're saying. So I still, my question refers, I wanted to talk about that too, about the fact that although it was, custom you know for if you take over another country another nation you your land becomes bigger your kingdom becomes bigger you own slaves and you technically when you own a slave you do whatever you please with them they can become maids they can become cooks and you can they're your property and to refer back to my question in no way shape or form did anyone know that it would lead to what happened Mm -hmm. once they crossed over all the way to the West Indies, America, you know? So, I thought it was, uh... Yeah, because
0: throughout history, you know, Europeans have pretty much um, enslaved even other European countries. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. a a lot of Irish people have Mm -hmm. a -hmm. lot of animosity towards people from England. And, you know, even calling their language, you know, English or, you know, instead of Gaelic or you know, whatever the, the terms are that that are important to them. Yeah. You literally see this throughout history all the time. Yeah. But I think this this is is a bit different mm-hmm. because it had a a more severe effect mm-hmm. for what's going on. Because yeah. then from slavery, even though it was abolished, we had civil rights. And it's just the idea that based off of my skin complexion mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm lesser than, and you're dominant. And now, in today's society, we literally have systems that are built in place of those ideologies, yeah. which is very different than me and you in our home having a war and having a problem. But that's in our home. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, again, I don't think slavery on any any level is okay. But I think people need to realize that, you know, African cultures are were are and were back then extremely civilized. You know what I mean? Cultures, strong, strong culture. So mm-hmm. just like how you have royalty everywhere else in the world, mm-hmm. and hierarchies everywhere else in the world that enslave lower class people, we weren't exempt from that. So mm-hmm. the fact that a lot of, you know, people will use that as an excuse. Well, you know, you know, the Africans are the ones that, of course, mm-hmm. of course, they're involved in that. In somehow, there's a there's a hierarchy in every nation. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. it doesn't. I don't. I don't think it takes away from pretty much what to try to happen. One hundred percent. What did you think of the book? Well, I thought the book was I thought the book was amazing and I think one of the things that made the book so important was how authentic the interview was. So I I read in here um that Zora Neal, you know, she's she's a bit of a renegade herself, mm-hmm. which I like cuz you know, well-behaved women rarely make history. Yes. So, I like that about her. <laughs> and you know, it does talk about how when she was trying to, you know, get this book out and publish the book, a lot of people actually wanted to take away from the linguistics of yeah. how the um Kazula mm-hmm. Uh, what's he has a the Kazula is I think his African name.
1: Yeah, you, it's uh, funny you say Kazula, I say Kosola. I oh, pronounce it differently, but <laughs> yes.
0: but yeah, like how
1: he speaks. Mm-hmm. So she's vernacular, exactly. She literally writes
0: in the way with the accent. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people wanted to take that and kind of like you know polish it up, and it was like no, this is important to tell this way. Mm-hmm. And what I liked about you know something that. That she really kind of dives into is the idea that she's not telling this quote-unquote slavery story from the perspective of the white gays. And we learn a lot of our culture, a lot of our history, a lot about slavery through the white gays, through white scholars, through white anthropologists. Right. And it's like... There's a a bias in there regardless. Absolutely. You know what I mean? You could be as, quote unquote, woke as you Mm want to be. At the end of the day, the story needs to be told from its authentic origin. Mm -hmm. And that's what she did in here, which is very different from a lot of literature that you'll read about slavery and about the, you know, the the slave trade. So that was one of my favorite things is listening to that broken English, Mm -hmm. listening to him tell the story the way he wanted to. Um,
1: and I, I appreciate that. I really do appreciate that. I loved how he recounted his life as a child. Yes. Um, when he became a, a, a soldier. Yeah. When he was talking about his grandfather working with the king, his father, their customs, their traditions, um, the way that he, the way that he described how the king would go about. If there was an issue within two people in the nation, how they would resolve it. So the yeah. their the, the way that they build their own criminal system, their their justice system. I thought it was amazing. I love that he shared that because a lot of a lot of people, a lot people who are descendant of slaves don't know exactly where we are from. That's true. I find in a way, like I'm Haitian and you're Jamaican. Yeah. We do so the, the people in the, the West Indies did create their culture. They, yeah. took, they took a little bit from here and okay. there, and then they created their own culture, their own language, their own customs, their dances, um, and all that stuff. So I do have a culture. I do know where I'm from. Yeah. But still, it's an incomplete story. Of course. So I really appreciate it, even though I don't know if I'm from his nation and right. i will never know but i really appreciate having a glimpse of what it was like living there before yeah, exactly. all of this happened like, i really appreciated him talking about how the king was behaving how the 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 context of how they were living and their family life and all that stuff i thought it was it was a beautiful thing it's one of my favorite things about the book yeah I think that's important and I, I
0: love too when uh he talks about his father and his grandfather mm-hmm. and Zora kind of like, Okay, I kinda wanna talk about you and slavery <laughs> and he's like, Um, wait. Yeah. Show me the home where the mouse is like the leader or something like that. And yes. He's basically like, In order for you to know who I am, you need to know about me mm-hmm. on African soil. Yeah. I I thought that was I thought that was great and he's very sharp. Yeah. I think he was over 90 years old when she interviewed him.
1: And one of the reasons he was famous in his town is yeah. because because of his story but also because he he uh was able to retain all of his yes. memories. So his memory of things is very sharp and very vivid. So his accounts is for the most part can actually be taken as factual. Yeah.
0: Um I know he talks he talks all the way from when he was a little boy maybe even like 5 or 6 years old. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and talking about it um the wives yeah. <laughs> that his grandfather had. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was really interesting and
1: he yeah. I and think even at childhood. his age when he was talking to Zora and telling about his childhood and how he grew up, he still had tears in his eyes. Yeah. When he was a lot telling a lot of pain and although all of these things happened like such a long time ago in his life, it still impacted him so much. It didn't mm-hmm. it didn't waver throughout the years. So I thought it was really I loved his story. I thought yeah. he he brought tears to my eyes. Yeah. he was it's it's tragic, and I felt for him, and I will never understand what he what he's been through. yeah, but I thought it was very important that his story was told. Yes, I think um another thing that I really liked was when he talks
0: about his family, so now we're 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 we've gone from you know him as a child growing up. Yeah. to him experiencing slavery, to him having a family. And he had, I think it was, what, four boys and a girl, mm-hmm. and most of his children died. And um, one, of the, one of the things that really stuck with me was when they were burying one of his children. Mm-hmm. And he, everyone knows, like, you know, when black people came over to America, they were converted into Christianity. Yeah. And he has this mixture mm-hmm. of believing in Christianity, but still having his roots. And there's a there's a part in the book where he talks about when he was burying one of his children and outside of his mouth, he's like, you know, singing whatever song yes. or whatever prayer it is. But yes. deep down inside, he's actually reciting
1: his, um, own, his hymn own hymn his from, yeah, like in his own language. Yes, yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah. <laughs> like, if that doesn't speak to how constructed... Yeah. Some it's like deep down inside you're something, but on the outside you have to be something else. You have to conform. You have to conform. Yeah. And it's like he's hiding who he truly is on the inside. Yeah. But then he probably
1: in a way kind of believes in both. He does. I think he did, but I think yeah. he also he mentioned it also towards the end of the book about um I forget exactly what he said, but he did touch on it again towards the end of the book. But it's this duality that yeah. the, all of the slaves have st- had to go through um, because you yeah, yeah. you have your own culture, you have your own language, you have your own God that you worship. And yeah. then you come here and they're telling you, no, it's the devil. You need to worship this God this way. Um, they had, even like the slave masters, they had they gave them a day to worship the way that they wanted to worship or to sing and dance. I even mean, in the book, he yeah. says, I think that it was like one day per week. And the other day, you do as I say. So they had that duality where. We can be who we are, but at the same time, I can't. Yeah. So I thought it was really interesting. What did you think of the treatment his kids received? And even he received when he first got to America with the the, the black Americans who were already there who kind of looked down on them. And yeah. later on when his kids went to, to school,
0: the other kids, a, the, yeah.
1: yeah, they were taunting them, bullying them, beating them. What did you think of that? I think that is so relevant Mm -hmm. because
0: literally up until today, we see this divide between black people, whether you're black American, you come from somewhere in Africa, you come from somewhere in the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. Within black culture, there is so much division.
1: Yeah. I
0: see it all the time. As a Jamaican person, and I I, I don't know if it's like this for Haitians, Mm -hmm. but as a Jamaican person, if you tell a Jamaican person, yeah, but you're from Africa, it's like an insult like no 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 i'm not we're different like there's this constant separation and actually i was the other day i was um i was on uh, i think i don't know if it was the shade room or some blog or something like that and i was reading something and it was talking about um i think it was an african pro- I, re- I really wish i remembered but the the point is in the comments it was africans like people from like you know i think it was nigeria or something like that arguing with black Americans and black Americans pretty much being like, Oh, why are you in our country? Blah, blah, blah. Like oh, wow. you don't have the right to this. You don't have the right to that. Oh, wow. And you know, African saying, well, you guys don't have no real culture and blah, 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 blah. Like, and it was just like, I'm reading this, this comment section and it's like, wow. Foolish and this is debate. A- foolish debates. And this is exactly what his kids experience is yeah. that, you know, a lot of times I feel like black people or minorities in general, at the end of the day, the approval needs to come from the dominant culture. Mm-hmm. So if I turn on you, I'm, you know, more ideal to the the dominant culture. Yeah. Like I'm the kind of black that a white person can handle, can approve, can us. approve of. Yeah. Like okay, you, you're, you're black, but yeah. you're not too black, so this is okay. So in in that approval seeking, yeah, you know what I mean, like journey, I'm gonna put down someone else mm-hmm. who's you know
1: and. It traces back to slavery. 100%. Slavery had physical, had a physical component, but the harshest and the the one that we still suffer from today, from what you're seeing, is mental slavery. 100%. For the slave master to make them believe that... Well, you were born here. You're a slave. But you were born here. You're already better. Those new ones that come from Africa, they're savages. Like, you're already better. And then them feeling like, okay, I can look down on you. But you are a slave too. What are you looking down on? Your situation is not any better. (laughs) And then... Later on, it's about colorism issues. So when you work inside the house, you're better than the ones out there in the field. But you're not free. You're still not free. You're not any better. And then now moving on to now where immigration and people have these foolish debates about I'm more American and I deserve this and you are, are... an African saying, well, you don't have any culture. That All of this is false at the end yeah. of the day. Black Americans were able to build their own culture mm-hmm. that is revered, that is copied time yeah. and times over again. And Africans have their own cultures. And both needs to be respected. There's not one that is better than the other. Yeah. But all this at the end of the day, and it's why I, I think it's a, it's irrelevant when people talk about these things and go into these arguments and debates about who's better and who's a. Um, you're still black. <laughs> like yeah, at the end of the day, nobody. When we look at you, 100%. until you open your mouth, nobody knows exactly where you're from. So the 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 discrimination you will still experience discrimination based off of the skin of your, off of your skin color. It doesn't matter. It does. It's it's a futile argument. It is, and it's just time wasted. And, and it, it, it's, it's technically part of the plan to continue to divide us. And but it works. We, yes, it works because we we do it. We do it all the time.
0: And yeah. you see even in, in other cultures the idea that you don't know, lighter skin is yeah you know associated with you know better. You weren't working outside, so there's mm-hmm. that, that class.
1: Mm-hmm. And know, it's not aspect, just black people. Indians suffer
0: from that a lot. 100%. Latinos Asian also cultures, suffer from that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's literally embedded in people's brains. So you saying mental slavery is so important because you can be free but not free. Absolutely. And I think that's something that I say a lot when I'm having certain conversations with people is that sometimes we think we're having a free thought and you're not really having a free thought. You're actually thinking as a white male. Yeah. You know, dominant culture and the culture that we're brought up in Being here in Canada, being, you know, North American, being Westernized, whatever that means, um, you're taught to think as a white male. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you think you're having an opinion that's authentic, but you're not. You're having an opinion that's cute and Mm -hmm. you sound like a white man. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. I even right now with a lot of things just to keep it like current with the same thing is a lot of these women are coming forward with her sexual harassment the me too movement the me too movements and mm-hmm. things of that nature and even women are are easier to attack other women yes before they are to attack or you know think something's wrong like And this goes back to... Girl, I'm always in the shade room. So, this goes back to the shade room. (laughs) It was actually an article about the guy Ni from Catfish. I don't know if you ever watched that show on TV. I never
1: watched the show, but I heard about these allegations.
0: And there is a woman that's coming forward about her being sexually harassed by him. So, they put up a picture of the woman. It's a black woman. Mm -hmm. And some people don't find her as attractive. And in the comments... All, it was so disappointing that all these women are talking about, like, girl, please, you wish. Like, don't come and take a nap. Like, why'd you wait so long? Like, all these women are attack. You don't even know the story. You don't know the details. You don't know the truth. This guy, you, who knows what he did or didn't do. But right away, without any facts, you're quick to attack the woman. Women are quick to attack each other. And my comment was, this comment section is a perfect example of white privilege. The, per- the privilege of knowing that black women will defend a white man Mm-hmm. Before they defend a black woman or mm-hmm. say nothing at all if they don't know. Yeah. If that's not white privilege, if that's not thinking white male, if that's not systematic, I don't know what is. I was in shock mm-hmm. at the amount of women that were... Because they don't find her attractive. But there's, there's no way this white man could have done this.
1: And there's two layers to that. There's the layer of women um, being catty to each other. The, yeah. There's There's a stereotype about that too. But women being like... I read about... I don't know if you read this, Audrey Audre Lorde. Yeah, I love her. Yeah? yeah? Okay, awesome. And she talks She talks in a... Her, her context is different. But even if I was to take one of her ideas about how... Um, some men are afraid when women come together and discuss yes. ideas. And have a substantial conversation about how to bring a change. Men your Lord writes in the like in the 60s, 70s. Yeah. So at that time, men felt threatened by that. Yeah. And at the time, um, gays and lesbians didn't really have didn't have the rights that they have right. today. Um, so as an insult, they would call them those those women, oh, you're a lesbian, just because yeah. you're having a good conversation. Yeah. But to bring back the for to bring it back to what we're talking about now. We have, we've internalized that. Not just black women, women in general. We've internalized that it's not always well seen when we come together and just to chat and to think, let's how, how can we do this better? How can we bring about yeah. change? We always, in the back of our mind, we're like, but I can't let him down. I can't let my husband down. I yeah. can't turn my back on him. We think if I bond with her, then I'm leaving, I'm putting him on the side. Yeah. They're not exclusive to each other. No. So... Sometimes, they, like you said, like in the comment section when you read it, it's like automatically they took for the men. 100%. Because they've, it, we've internalized that exactly. throughout all these years that the men is right. Like, how can I... I'm not going to take for her, even though I probably relate to what she's going exactly. through. Exactly. But I'm scared. And if I relate to her and if I, I bond with her, if I have all these conversations with her, then the men are going to turn their back on us. So, yeah. I am just going to disregard her because I... I need them as a yeah. provider, as they whatever want the it is. They camaraderie from a man instead, more than so approval. than as a woman. One hundred percent. And it's, th- it's things that has been internalized, and obviously education and all these things are, and, and research and really understanding history will help bring about the change. But I'm sure the people in the comment section were young, you know. So it's crazy that even the younger generation ha- still have that internalized. Yeah. would they say hate, but internalized. Thing that you will take on for the you will, you will back up the men before, um, listening to the woman even though you two may share similar Similar experiences. experiences. I think it's it's quite interesting.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I think. um, Can we talk a little bit about Zora Neal?
1: Yes. So
0: so the reason why I want to talk about her is because I was reading, you know, some stuff about, you know, the Harlem Renaissance, and this is where a lot of like. Black literature and art Just kind of like Boom Right Which is so beautiful
1: (laughs) And side note When she was going To interview Kosola She went with Langston Hughes Yes Which is one of my Favorite poets. Yeah Yes So
0: (laughs) She did a lot of writing Um, Everyone probably knows her Just as for Our our listeners um, Their eyes are watching God Which is You know Huge Mm -hmm. Um, But she also did A lot of research And wrote about Voodoo Oh did she? She did Mm -hmm. But there's criticisms of that because a lot of people felt as though she kind of fabricated some truths um, to kind of push her agenda in terms of what she thought about culture. So in a way, the very thing that she was trying to get away from by telling the stories on behalf of Mm -hmm. black people, folklore, she kind of still in her sense of privilege, took that on and kind of created it into something that necessarily the accounts aren't always true okay but it's like even if that's the case how how do you how would you argue something like that is that good or
1: bad because at the end of the day it's to advance the agenda and it's interesting that you say that because she was she found kusola but apparently there was another person there's a there was another person i don't recall her name but there was a lady there was a woman who was as old as kusola who had lived the same, a similar life to Kosola. She oh, okay, was, okay, she okay. had lived in Africa. She, had, she was born and raised there. She was kidnapped, come, came to America, became a slave, and then became a free woman. Okay. So she had a similar um, life. And when Zora f- found out about her, she decided to not talk about her. She made that conscious decision of let's exclude her from this narrative. I just want to focus on Kosola. And there are letters, I'm proving this. And some people will question her ethics doing that because, well, why would you silence one and bring forth the other? So, you saying that about yeah? So she's um, I, I, I she at the end, of the, she's a she writes really well, and I commend her research, especially for this book. Um, but she has uh. She, I think she had a little bit of a bad reputation when yeah. it came to her, the way she went about things. Do
0: you know, did they talk about anything you read? Did it talk about why she would have wanted to exclude that woman?
1: Uh, it was in, our, it's in the New Yorker, Okay. Uh, the article that I read about that. And um, the, there's no specifics more mm-hmm. so than, but this is the story I want to push. I want to push Kosola's story. So I'm going to focus on that. And, okay this is what I'm going to put my my energy in. And she just didn't focus on that. And then the lady eventually died as well because okay. she was old too. Hmm. So it's 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 interesting that you
0: bring about this Yeah. Because uh, this one was Mule, Mule and Men. Mm-hmm. That was the book. And it, it had a lot of um, accounts about voodooism and things of that nature. And yeah. they believe that not only was it fabricated but it was also plagiarized, which is also the same issue that she encountered with... Um, this story, Kujo's own story of the last African slaver, mm-hmm. was also seen as being plagiarized. Wow. Yeah. I, I don't know. know that's interesting. And then and then there's that other part of me that's like, or is this a part of the agenda to take down this strong <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't know. It was quite some time ago. So. <laughs> um either way, her work is necessary, important for, for us to be able to, you know, have have Black literary Absolutely. figures
1: tell stories. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I definitely think Barracoon should be added to schools, book, curriculum. Oh, yeah. yeah. I definitely think it should be added. Um, it's history. It is history. And, um, and uh, yeah, I think it should be added. I think it's really important.
0: That's a good point that you bring up. Because mm-hmm. um, I'd be curious to see now, it's been a long time since I've been in school, Mm -hmm. Um, but I'd be curious to see now, what books are they reading? Right. When it does come to that, like, are we, are are these, what authors are these? Yeah. You know, like, we need people to tell the story, and bigger than just the idea of, like, having this book, it needs to be normalized. Mm -hmm. Stories from this perspective, stories from black authors need to be normalized. I'll never forget one time I went to chapters, this was years ago, I don't know if they do this anymore um but this was years ago and I was inside of chapters and I remember I was looking for a book and I think it was probably a Jerome Dickey book (laughs) because that was back in the day where that that's all I read and I remember I was asking you know one of the people that worked at at the chapters and you know you know where I can find this author I can't find them and they go "Yeah, yeah yeah he's in the black author section oh my god I can't believe you're saying this
1: I can't believe you're saying this. Do you know? (laughs) I had the same experience. I went to Chapters, and I saw that section. You best believe I wrote an email to Indigo. Good. And I was like, this is unacceptable. Yes. Do you have a section for Asians? Do you have a it's section ridiculous. for Latinos? Like, what? Black authors are different than authors? I I was so offended because I'm like,
0: but within this section of Black authors, there's fiction, there's poetry, there's there's sci-fi. Why
1: isn't that just distributed? If there are normal authors. Yeah. I literally wrote them a long email <laughs> lost and I was this. like, what is this? Yeah it's already it's already hard to be an author it's already hard to put your work out there and now i can't just find you in all the sections no i gotta go through the black section i'm like take that out that
0: it was it was so insulting Mm -hmm. so this is this so you talking about it being a part of curriculum it goes further than just black history month you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. okay it's a black author. this is the thing that makes it no in general this should just be a book Yes. This should just be a book that we talk about when we're talking about history. Yes. And it should be amongst all the books with the white authors and the Asian authors and all sorts of perspectives. It's a book Mm -hmm. with a really important perspective and story in history. And it's just this like, here is your box. Yeah. This is the box that you fit in. Yeah. This is the time that you're allowed to present your box in February. And that (laughs) makes it okay. Exactly. Like, there, there's just
1: so much... It's, so wrong. So, it's, it's so, so wrong. wrong. It's so wrong. It's wrong. And so wrong. many people, a lot of people still don't feel like they can relate to black people. So maybe they see this section like, yeah, no, that's not for me. I'm just going to exactly. go in the other... No, no. Exactly. Like, my life is very similar to my friends who are Arabs or my friends who are white. Yeah. There's... Of course, there are differences, differences, but, like, we are young and we live life... We have similar lives. It's yeah. not no different just because... She's black, so I can't relate. And no, so I totally I can't believe yeah, you you had that experience crazy. too. How long ago was this with you? It was a, maybe I was still living in Toronto, so maybe two years ago. Oh, that's pretty recent.
0: Two, three years ago. My recollection is like I'm talking about when I was probably in like maybe high school or something oh, really? like that. So that means it's it's been.
1: Oh, okay. Wow. So it's been going on for a long time. For a time. long time. I, I don't know. I would have to go back and check if yeah. they changed that section. But I was deeply disappointed. Yeah, that was that was disappointing. Chapters, if you're if
0: you're listening, yeah.
1: <laughs> that's a blight we have. Yeah. Have That'd you be been reading other books or anything interesting?
0: Yes. So right now I'm actually rereading a book. It's mm-hmm. called um, If You Played in My Playground, okay. and uh, it's dear to me because it's one of my friends wrote the book. Oh. And yeah, uh, her name is Elizabeth Carrera mm-hmm. and she has an amazing story about her growing up as a young child and experiencing abuse mm-hmm. and, you know, running away from home and just this full circle about her life and where she is today. And right now she's like a motivational speaker and she helps young women and she's doing a lot of great stuff. So knowing her personally and then reading her story was just it's just so moving so i'm rereading it again because she came with the book a few years ago okay so i'm i'm reading it again and i I was thinking maybe one day we could even have yeah her you,
1: here she, you like told that. me about her right yeah okay
0: so that's that's currently what i'm revisiting because i would love to bring her in here maybe mm-hmm. one day and talk, talk to her, to her. yeah she
1: whew, her life lived, uh, a
0: she's full lived life. a full <laughs> life and she's still young and vibrant and gorgeous and yeah she's an
1: inspiration so yeah, awesome. yeah. how about you Um, I read two books. I read this book called Sour Heart by Jenny Zhang. I love the name already. (laughs) I don't know if you would love the book as much. (gasps) No way! Okay, tell me. I, I, I didn't finish the book. I had to put it down after the third, uh, the second story. So it's a collection of stories. Okay. Um, but the characters are pretty much the same. And it's about. It's mainly about Asian Chinese immigrants okay. from when they came in the United States, like let's say in the '60s, and they had kids and the kids growing up. So, uh, it was published by Lenny. I don't know if you know Lenny. Lenny Letters. Yep, yep. Started by Lena. Yeah, Lena Dunham or something. That's with
0: the the producer writer of Girls. Yeah,
1: and even she when she put out her book, there was a lot of controversy about her the things she did with her sister and whatnot. So I was like, when I saw that it was published by her, I was like, well, there you go. I'm not surprised.
0: Yeah, Lena. I I used to watch Girls and I liked her. Mm -hmm. I like her. You do? I don't know how I feel about her. I I I don't like like her. I like, I like, I like how authentic she is with herself and how honest she is with her own self. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't, but there's things about her that honesty that I'm just like, yeah, you're not really It's um, ignorant. Yeah, she's just kind of ignorant and even that whole thing with Odell Beckham and it's and that's I I cancelled
1: her at that moment. Yeah,
0: that that to me was very unattractive. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me, because it just showed like there there you are, Miss Feminist, performing white privilege right there, that this man has to be attracted to you and it, like anyways, so so that's about her. Mm-hmm. Um but I do appreciate how Even though I don't necessarily like some of her ideologies or how she goes about it, I I can appreciate that she's just who she is. And she's totally okay with that and she's totally okay with herself and she's totally okay with her body and being naked and making you uncomfortable no matter. I can appreciate her doing that
1: because that's authentic to who she is. To who she is. So that's fine.
0: Um, But yeah, that
1: book, I don't know, maybe I should... I don't know if I it. I don't recommend it. it. Okay. But uh, the other book that I read is called A Brief History of Seven Killings by Marlon James. I'm not going to go into it, but it's amazing. Okay. It's being turned into a movie. Um, awesome. I think Melina Matsukas is the director on it, and um, it's good. Read it. Okay. I'll end with this. I'll end with that uh, recommendation. Perfect. Yeah.
0: Well, thanks for tuning in to yes. another episode of
1: Misread and... Don't forget to subscribe. Yes. And review us. Yes. And write us. Let us know your thoughts. Yeah. See you next time. Bye.